Let's go in-depth on all things Hawkeyes. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Happy Wednesday, Hawkeye fans, and welcome into a brand new world of the Big Ten Conference and the latest edition of the Hawk Central Radio Show right here on 106.3 KXNO. I am your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register. I write about the Iowa Hawkeyes for a living, and this offseason there has certainly been no shortage of things to write about, and it just keeps getting zanier. Last week, sports gambling in the state of Iowa. This week, an 18-team Big Ten conference that stretches from Seattle to Piscataway. We will talk shop on Hawkeye football and basketball later in the program. But first, we're going to dive into what the additions of Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten means for your beloved Iowa Hawkeyes. And to get things rolling, I'm pleased to welcome in my Hawkeye Beat teammate at the register, Tyler Tashman. Tyler, uh, welcome. And uh, this is our first run through expansion together. So give me your thoughts when things kind of went down Friday night. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy just kind of the the world that we're living in in terms of conference alignment and everything but i i think from if you're looking at it solely from a competition standpoint uh there's going to be some exciting matchups in the big 10 because oregon and washington uh in, in football and in, in basketball two really capable programs so i think from a competitiveness standpoint if you're just looking at prime time games and uh you know what what teams are going to make the Big Ten better, I think that that's an obvious plus. But for me, the downside of it, it just feels like, and I think I talked about this a little bit last show, is like it just feels like college sports is losing a little bit of what made it college sports, right? You kind of have these regional rivalries. Uh, you know, you have people that were from neighboring states uh that kind of grew up watching each other and uh almost kind of like a, a a community feel of a conference and uh it feels like that's kind of lost in this and and the reason obviously that this is happening is it's driven by money and geography doesn't matter as much and i i also look at the possible concerns of like Rutgers having to go and play Oregon, Rutgers having to go play UCLA, like it's it's complicated already with football and basketball, but what are they going to do for the non-revenue sports? I think there's the obvious kind of headlines of, okay, well, for football, you know, this makes sense from a monetary standpoint and TV deal and such, but what's going to happen when you have the non-revenue sports having to go cross-country multiple times? So. I think there's a lot of logistical things that are going to have to be worked out, and I'm interested to see how that's going to happen. It just, uh, from a monetary standpoint, I see the benefit of it, but as like someone that enjoys following college sports, I feel like I'm kind of have like a mixed reaction to everything. Yeah, I mean, I think people get like, I don't know, wound up about the dollar figures, but none of those dollar figures really affect any of us you know, in the world other than, you know, the Hawkeyes have 325000 more dollars to hire a special assistant to the head coach or, you know, you have another couple million bucks to upgrade your locker room or whatever. It's it's uh, it's just a chase of dollars that, that really doesn't impact the fan uh, ultimately. And then yet some sometimes I feel like 
uh, fans or you know commentators, or whatever, get say, oh, you know, well, this team's going to have another twenty million bucks or ten million bucks. You know, they didn't have before, but uh, I don't know if that really makes as much of a difference. I think back to when I was a kid. This is before you were born, Tyler. But you know, in the eighties, like uh, Big Ten basketball, you know, watching. You know, it was 10 teams, and like you said, regional. I mean, it, the furthest east, I, you know, it went was, uh, what, Ohio State. So, and furthest west was Iowa City. So, you had, uh, you know, nine home-and-homes, and you played, you know, like Illinois, at Illinois on Thursday and at Indiana on Saturday, and you came home, and that was kind of the travel, and uh, it wasn't driven by TV. So, I mean, it's it's been gradually going this way for a long time. It's not like this is anything new. I mean, Penn State joined the league in 1990. You know, Nebraska joins the league in 2011. And then, of course, Rutgers and Maryland in 2014. So we've been stretching out this league for a while in terms of geography. Uh, I do have non-revenue sports uh, later on in a rundown, so we'll get to that. But uh, I did want to talk about, Tyler, kind of where – the additions of Oregon and Washington, and obviously USC and UCLA, which we knew, which we have known for about a year, uh, you know, where does that put the Iowa Hawkeyes? Because Oregon and Washington will be part of the Big Ten Conference landscape in 2024 uh, in football and in all sports. So, uh, you know, I've, uh, I was on a radio show yesterday, and uh, I said, you know, I think Iowa probably is currently fifth in the Big Ten, if you really objectively think about it, out of 14 teams. You know, you put them behind Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin, I think, uh, over, you know, over the course of five, ten years, something like that. You could argue maybe Iowa's right there with some of those teams, but let's put Iowa fifth objectively. I think they're, I don't think there's anyone you'd put ahead of them there. Uh, you know, not Michigan State, not any other team in the Big Ten West, uh, certainly not any other team in the Big Ten East. So, I think fifth is fair, but then you add in USC, which with Lincoln Riley, you know, moves ahead of Iowa. Of course, Iowa beat them in the Holiday Bowl in 2019, but that was a different team. That was Clay Helton. Now they've got Lincoln Riley. Uh, Oregon, going to be a top 15 team uh, preseason. Washington, another top 15 team preseason. I think, and then, uh, you know, Wisconsin's still ahead of Iowa probably. So you're probably putting Iowa in that, eight range in the big 10 i would put i would put him ahead of ucla but and that's what the program going pretty good right now the hawkeyes you know have won at least eight games each of the last well if you don't count the pandemic every year since 2015 and so you know can they continue to do that even with the program you know going well recruiting well uh you know they're kind of in this new world a mid-pack team trying to fight their way to the top as the Collins college football playoff gets going next year well first off i think i I feel bad for whoever made the football schedule for the 2024 2025 seasons because i feel like those are probably going to be scrapped now so all the work they put in they're probably going to have to get paid overtime with the addition of uh oregon and washington but um you know i've kind of talked about how this season feels like a golden opportunity for iowa because uh this is the last season of the current division setup and because of the roster Iowa has, this is a great opportunity for them to get to Indianapolis in the big 10 championship game. And I feel like now with the addition of Oregon and Washington, that this is even more so the case because as of right now, the format, um, you know, in the coming years after this season is the top two teams in the entire big 10 get to the big 10, 10 championship, which means that, 
in order to get there, Iowa would have to go through not only, you know, what the teams that are currently in their division, and obviously that will be gone, but Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, only two of those teams, Wisconsin as well, Illinois, will only get to the Big Ten Championship. So it's going to be even tougher to get to the Big Ten Championship. So that's why I think even more so now this season is important uh, you know, as, as an opportunity because it's going to get even more challenging um, after this season. And I also feel like um, it, there's just going to be the competitive balance. There's just going to be so many good teams that you, you look at maybe it, it ends up being like Big Ten basketball has been where maybe mm-hmm. you have one or two teams at the top, but then it's just you might have a bunch of teams with a 4-4 four and four record and you just have a bunch – uh, a matchups that are kind of beating up on each other because there's so many good teams. And, and I'm not really sure what that might do for the potential prospects of getting uh, to a, a college football playoff or to a good bowl game, because you could have a really good team that has three or four losses because they might have to play five or six ranked teams in the big 10 schedule alone. So yeah. um, I think it just, it creates a, a much more complex dynamic. And then you look at, is that going to change how teams go about scheduling non-conference? So it's just the, the landscape is changing, and I, you know, it's another variable that, that I was going to have to deal with. Yeah, you can look at it both ways. Uh, you made a great point there, Tyler, because you know, the, the teams I didn't list, I, list, I listed basically the top eight teams uh, with Iowa maybe being in that eighth range in terms of program you know, stature, whatnot, in the new Big Ten. I mean, but look at 9 through 12 there. Minnesota, Michigan State, Illinois, UCLA, even Nebraska, you know, assuming Matt Rule gets things going. I mean, that's that's 13 probably pretty decent programs, I mean, in most years. And then, you know, the, maybe the bot, maybe then you got Maryland-Purdue. And then right now the bottom is clearly Indiana Rutgers-Northwestern, but there's not many, you know, uh, bottom dwellers, as you say. So... That's interesting, but I also kind of would take a flip side argument in terms of the college football playoff potentially, you know, in a world where Iowa's not playing just the Big Ten West for the most part every year, uh, you know, it's been the same schedule for the most part for a while, you know, except for a couple matchups, but maybe in the new world, this is more opportunities to kind of get those quality wins, you know, say a road win at Oregon, maybe a home win against USC or Ohio State playing them more often, whatever. Uh, and maybe, you know, a 9-3 and three season in that case with some quality wins, maybe some quality losses. Maybe that gets you into the 12-team college football playoff, whereas you would have never had a chance at that in the past just because of the wins and losses and, and stuff like that. So uh, I could see a flip side to it, and I think it's going to be more compelling uh, matchups than, you know, you're just going to get more teams that are um, compelling for television for fans. You know, I, I I would rather face I would rather see more Iowa Oregon games than Iowa Rutgers games. Let's be honest. Um, but let's talk about the potential of the Iowa State series in Iowa Minnesota, Iowa Wisconsin, Iowa Nebraska. I feel like something is probably going to have to fall by the wayside at some point. We don't know that for sure. Uh, under the original 2024 schedule, Iowa had three protected Big Ten rivals in a nine-game schedule. So in that case, you know, Gary Barta successfully made sure that Iowa was going to play Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Iowa State every year. Will that become endangered? We will see. Uh, One of the models I think that uh, I threw out there, well, I know I threw out there, not think, was uh, in an 18-team league, 
Everyone gets one protected rival, then plays the other eight teams every other year. So you only get one protected rival. I think that's a clean way to do it. So USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington. In my scenario, Iowa, Nebraska, just because Minnesota, Wisconsin, to me, trumps Minnesota, Iowa. Uh, And then you got Illinois, Northwestern, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Indiana, Purdue, and Maryland Rutgers. It all makes sense to me uh, in that sense. So I kind of like that approach, even if you... Even if a few rivalries fall off on an annual basis, I think the real question, Tyler, that uh, a lot of fans around here have is will the Cyhawk series continue after 2027, which it's currently under contract for, if the Big Ten or Big 12, which also expanded to 16 teams over the weekend, you know, decides to go to 10-game conference schedules because in that case, the contract language would really seem cast a lot of doubt over the future of the Cyhawk series. No, Neither team is going to long-term want to have six home dates and six road dates on a schedule. Iowa's going to want to have those seven home dates at Kinnick every year. Uh, unless Iowa State is willing to come to Kinnick every year, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so that's the something, that is the thing to watch for me. Ten-game conference schedules, if they're coming sooner rather than later, we shall see. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's where you, know, you kind of look at the – college sports kind of losing some of its college sports feel because now you might have to go uh, and on, on multiple, uh, you know, long road trips and you just don't have uh, the time for to play in-state rivalries. And I think that's like what part of what makes college sports special, as we've talked about, is like I'm, you know, from North Carolina and you have UNC Duke and you have mm-hmm. Wake Forest and you have NC State and you have so many of these kind of, tight-knit college communities that are passionate about what they do or uh, about their school and, and who they root for and all of that. Um, and, and some of that is going away. On the other side of things, I'm interested to see if the Big Ten is just going to throw Washington and Oregon in the, the big division, so it's just one division. Do you, is there going to be like a Big Ten West, Big Ten Midwest, uh, Big Ten East, like something like that, where it's split and the the four teams on the West Coast are you know playing each other frequently. Um, I just think that you know the logistics of it are are going to be interesting to see how they figure things out. And lastly, I want to add is that this all of this just following it, talking about it, kind of makes my head spin a little <laughs> bit. But um, I was excited to see that it, it seemed like. EA Sports was on track to release college football next season, the video game. So I don't know if you play that, but I, I grew to. up playing it, and and uh, I'm ex- that's that's the most exciting thing that I've seen come out this week. So. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's really funny. You're listening to Hawk Central from the Duane Register and KXNO. I'm Chad Lystico talking Big Ten expansion with Tyler Tashman. Uh, keep an eye on that Iowa State series uh, situation, folks. Uh, it's, it's the 10-game conference schedules uh, that's going to come home to roost one way or another uh, eventually, especially if the Big Ten decides to go to 20 games. I can't imagine the TV partners wouldn't want that. Uh, a couple of little notes on other sports. Let's talk about other sports, not football. Football is really not that big of a deal, I don't think, in terms of travel. You play one game a week. You play 12 games a year. It's not the end of the world to have a few cross-country flights. It's the other sports, like you mentioned, Tyler, that could be impacted. So I went through and and looked at what the Oregon-Washington additions mean. Uh, First off, 
let's talk some hoops. I think it's totally fine for basketball. I don't, I don't think there's really going to be any issue uh, just because, uh, and I put this out there too, but it's so, if you just start with the, the four Pacific Coast teams and just give them a round-robin schedule, so they play each other twice, so they keep their old rivalries intact, all of them do, that's six games, and then they just play the other 14 teams once each. And that means seven road trips out of 20 across the country. And you can pair, you know, you can do a Michigan-Michigan State weekend. You can do an Illinois-Indiana weekend. I mean, they they really probably only need to make three to four cross-country flights in a basketball season. So I think that that could work out pretty well. And then the rest of the Big Ten, you know, on kind of in our side of the <laughs> country uh, can kind of – figure out the schedule from there but I, I feel like that would be a good carrot to throw the new schools in the Pac-12 uh, slash Big Ten and then uh, you know I looked at the sports that Oregon and Washington offer and there's really not a ton of crossover the biggest sports are basketball where the where Iowa and all the others have commonalities let's talk let's talk about Iowa you know they don't have wrestling so that's not gonna be there won't be you know teams going out there for wrestling what or whatnot uh you know, some Oregon only has seven men's sports, Tyler, and uh, they only have nine women's sports. And some of the women's sports are acrobatics, lacrosse, beach volleyball. Um, the only ones that really cross over are like track and field, golf, cross country, tennis, which those are like championship. You only would face each other like in the Big Ten championships or whatever. So it's like once a year. Not a big deal. The only sports really uh, would be like baseball, which I think a three-game series out at Washington or whatever, that's cool to me. So, uh, you know, there's gymnastics, rowing. Rowing is kind of interesting. Uh, Washington has rowing. Uh, you know, Iowa versus Washington on the Iowa River. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't think that's going to be as big of an issue as I think some people made made it out to be, including some, some Pac-12 schools. I just don't see these teams, like, coming all the way other, across the country all the time for non-revenue sports. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I will also say, though, it feels in this kind of age where the the player has a lot more power with NIO, with the transfer portal, it feels like the decisions that are being made aren't necessarily taking into consideration like what's best for the people playing because while it might not be difficult for basketball to pay for a flight across the country, like, is it who who's benefiting from Penn State flying across the country to play Washington in a midweek game, you know, and then having to fly? Like, is that something they're going to take into consideration when scheduling? Like, if someone has to go all the way across the way, are we going to make that a weekend game? Or, like, are they going to be getting back at mm-hmm. 5 a.m., you know, following a midweek game across the country? I think uh, you know, that's also kind of, it, it just feels like some of the decisions that are being made aren't really taking fully into consideration what's best for the student athlete. And I think that's probably because it's not, because it's really caring about money. But, um, but no, I do see what you're saying kind of about the non-revenue sports. And um, as someone who just likes college sports, you know, it, it does, create some more intriguing ma- matchups. And I will say as far as the basketball, like if they, if they made the big 10 schedule, you know, added games, like I would just say, get rid of like your cupcake five, six, seven cupcake games at the beginning of the season, because 
play one of those because those are just not that exciting to watch. Like, just let's have premier matchups the entire season. If you're not ready for it, then that then be better, I guess. But <laughs> but but like that's actually one of the things that I enjoyed about the college basketball season during COVID was that you basically just had you didn't really have like many of these just little cupcake like meaningless games like because the schedule was shorter uh most of the games were against high level competition so if you add more conference games uh as far as basketball you have to cut down on the non-conference maybe you just try to play a tougher non-conference schedule obviously teams might go the other way if they're playing a tougher Big 10 schedule but in in my ideal world if we can just if we can let me have my ideal world here, just get rid of all cupcake games, maybe have one exhibition, just play high level competition the entire season. How about that would be pretty, pretty epic. Like, uh, what would that be like a 34 game conference schedule? Just play at your own conference round. round. As long as we're at it, we might as well just have like, can we have like three teams playing at the same time? Like (laughs) three baskets (laughs) that, that might cut down on travel. Like if you, if you have like, Go out to uh, the West Coast, play Washington and Oregon at the exact same time. You could go like seven on seven on seven with three baskets. That would be interesting. Absolutely. Save time for sure. Anyway, coming up next, let's get bullish and skeptical about the upcoming Iowa football season. Got some fun topics ahead. You're listening to Chad Lystico and Tyler Tashman of the Des Moines Register on Hawk Central Radio, 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register. Happy to be rejoined by Tyler Tashman. Iowa Football Media Day on Friday. Uh, we'll start there. Tyler, what are you most interested to learn this week? Uh, I'm interested to, I get to shoot the new hot dog gun, so I'm looking forward to Oh, yeah. To that. <laughs> What's <laughs> it called yeah, so again? What's it called? It's like a, it's a hot dog launcher, hot dog it's gun. Derviner... Oh, something. oh, Derviner's, yeah, it's something like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. But for those that don't know... You wrote the story, you should know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it's Derviner's Slinger. There you go, Derviner's Derviner Slinger, okay. But they, uh, they're they introducing a, a hot dog launcher into uh, the Kinnick Stadium experience, and uh, on media day on Friday, uh, the, some media gets to try it out, so any... I'm, I hope that's I'm not the media lunch. That. I don't know. Could yeah, be, I guess. I guess. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But uh, I'm well. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also I'm also looking forward to hearing how the offense is coming together. Yeah. Who's filling some of the holes on defense, and if uh, Kirk Ferentz has any other gambling updates. So. Exactly. Uh, Kids' day practice on Saturday noon Central Time. Uh, what I'm most looking forward to basically is just seeing Cade McNamara play. 11 on 11 with the Hawkeyes for the very first time. Uh, I encourage all Hawkeye fans, if you're able to come out, enjoy the day, try to make this a big deal. It's really, uh, it's really some key access that um, is good for you, good for the media, helps you guys learn more about your team, get more excited about the team. It sounds like the Rutgers game is now almost a sellout, so uh, just about ready to have a season sellout uh, for Hawkeye football. Tons of buzz around this team, which finished 130th in offense. One year ago. Um, uh, Tyler, my Big Ten predictions came out on Sunday, and I do have the Hawkeyes uh, winning nine games and winning the West in my predictions. I have them going nine and three, but the margin of error is very thin. So 
Uh, let's kind of boil down um, some reasons to maybe be excited about the prospects of this team, but also be reasonably skeptical about the team. And I figured let's start with the negative, finish with the positive, let folks kind of feel more bullish here as we end the segment. So uh, I'm going to give you the first word. We're going to go back and forth with a few of these. Uh, let's start with what is a one of your what is your top reason to be skeptical about what Iowa can do this season? I think if if the O line doesn't improve, I, I think as as much attention as Cade McNamara has got, I think really the key for Iowa's offense, the most important unit there is the offensive line because stuff kind of starts and stops with them and other guys can't do their jobs if they're not doing theirs well. So, um, and, and you're kind of running it back. I guess it's a double-edged sword that you're running it back with a lot of the same guys from last season on one hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're more experienced. On the other, they weren't very good last year. They also are adding uh, Dejon Parker and Rusty Fest to transfers on the line so they there are some new faces but um to me that unit coming together and and, uh leading the way for Cade McNamara and Caleb Johnson that that's kind of that that's kind of my one of my major worries right now yeah it could all fall apart pretty quick if the offensive line does not improve that's uh certainly on my list for media day Uh, I'll go with depth slash injuries Tyler because uh, I feel pretty good about Iowa's starting 22, you know, if everybody's healthy. I like Cade McNamara. I like the two tight ends. I think Iowa can probably find two receivers that are going to do well, you know, and uh, and the, in on defense, of course, the defensive line is deep, but you got new linebackers and, you know, the secondary is pretty thin. I mean, outside of Cooper DeGean at corner, um, you're kind of waiting to see, you know, who can prove himself there. I mean, does Jermari Harris you know, return to form? Is there a young guy that can, can crop up? I think you're a few injuries away from having a really bad team. We saw that happen in the Nebraska game. Cooper DeGene goes out. Cade McNamara goes out. Heck, either kicker, Torrey Taylor or um, Drew Stevens, if if one of them gets hurt, which that can happen, man, a uh, hamstring, a turned ankle, whatever, uh, anything. Iowa has no depth right now in either kicking spot. They're both great, but there's no depth there. So uh, this, I feel like personnel-wise, this fall camp is huge for developing depth, but there's just not another Cooper DeGene on the roster. I don't think there's another Cade McNamara on the roster. Uh, I don't. I know there's not another Torrey Taylor on the roster, and uh, Iowa only has one place kicker with Aaron Blom's uh, gambling situation probably taking him out for the season. So very big concern in that front. You got to stay healthy for for Iowa to get to those nine wins, as I projected. All right, give me another one, man. This kind of goes off what you were saying there, but uh, the, the gambling situation and the the kind of potential fallout from that. Not only is it kind of just another external distraction and thing, and you know, just noise, I guess that they have to block out, but. You know, we're kind of waiting to hear what's going on with the Noah Shannon situation. Is you know he was supposed to be one of Iowa's representatives at Big Ten Media Days and then pulled out because of his involvement in the investigation. So, uh, you know, what is what is his future this season look like? Aaron Blom, uh, because of what he was accused of, he could face a loss of college eligibility. Um, so. They're super, like you were saying, super thin at kicker. And yeah, if there and if there are others, um, 
I don't think it's the the suspensions aren't necessarily like a end all be all for Iowa because I think if you just look at the defensive line, they have a lot of depth there. If if Noah Shannon is out for for some time, but if 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 it ends up being more or you get it in a bad spot, I just it, it just adds a lot of uncertainty. It's almost like injuries times two, right? Because you have your normal injuries and then you have another variable that could take someone out. So I think to me that just kind of creates more uncertainty with who are you going to plug in here and who are you going to shift here. Yeah, for, uh, yeah, that did dovetail off mine, but you made some really good points there, Tyler. Uh, one more for me and then we'll go into uh, you know maybe some more positives. Uh, close games. Here's a stat for you folks. Iowa is 9-4 and four over the last two seasons in games decided by 10 points or less. Of course, Iowa you know, won 18 games in that stretch, but also lost nine. So if you kind of do the math there, half of their wins, pretty close games. Half of their losses, pretty close games. So, uh, And they've been on the right side of that for the most part. I mean, think about last season's uh, 13-10 to 10 win at Minnesota. I mean, there's been no more uh, you know, close game. Uh, you know, finding a way to win than that. Now, certainly Iowa lost a couple last year, but that's just because the offense was so bad. But the year before, I mean, Iowa was was eking out uh, a lot of close ones, you know, rallied from 15 down to beat Nebraska, uh, somehow overcame a big disadvantage to beat Minnesota in that um, in that home game without Spencer Peters. Uh, if those go the other way this year, this team, you know, is not going to win nine games, not going to win 10 games, not going to win the West. So, they're going to have to find a way to win close games, and usually that comes down to, to elite special teams play, which all circles back to what I said before about Torrey Taylor, Drew Stevens. Uh, you've got to have good special teams play, and you've got to have, you know, this defense cannot take, take a big step back. I mean, that would be kind of the other part of this is if the defense goes from a 10 to like a 6 or 7, that would be bad for this team, and you're probably going to lose more close games. All right, uh, Tyler, let's uh, let's flip the script now. Uh there's a reason I picked Iowa to be nine and three, and my number one reason for that is the quarterback position. I'm very bullish about Cade McNamara. Now I know the the Hawkeye football program, you know, is selectively sharing video clips, but you know, what they've shown, um, you know, he looks good. I mean, he's looking off receivers, throwing. Um, you know, and that's what we saw in, in spring practice too, at seven on seven. They, he's very accurate. Uh, his footwork is is really good. He's obviously a really good leader. You know, great quarterback play. I'm not going to say he's great. We don't know that for sure yet. But he has led a team to a college football playoff. And if Iowa has very, very good quarterback play, again, he has to stay healthy. That is such a huge difference <laughs> over what they have had really the last three seasons. And I would, I would argue back to C.J. Beathard, they haven't had – this type of quarterback with that kind of moxie, with that kind of mobility, and just kind of that that winner's mentality uh, that, that Cade McNamara seems to have. And so I think that's my number one reason to be more bullish about this Hawkeye team than in recent years. How about you? What's, what's on your list? I think Caleb Johnson, uh, because just what he was able to do last season, he was a true freshman playing behind an offensive line that was struggling uh, and he was still really good. So I I think he's a guy that is maybe flying under the radar in the big 10 as a whole, not, not at Iowa, but in the big 10 as a whole, as someone that could end up being one of the top running backs uh, in the conference. Uh, And I think 
that's where the kind of offensive line play comes into. If if they can improve, that's obviously going to make life for him a lot easier. And I think once you have parts of the offense kind of fall into place, then it just creates a chain reaction because if the offensive line is playing well, that means Caleb Johnson is going to have more opportunity, which means that uh, teams are going to have to sell out on the run, which means the play action is going to be there, which means Luke Lachey and Caleb Brown and Seth Anderson, uh, those guys will have more space, you know, to break in the secondary. So, uh, but I think Caleb John, I think, I think he's going to have a really good season. He's, uh, you know, this off season from what I've heard has been putting in uh, a considerable amount of work. And, you know, I, I just, I think his physicality, but also potentially him improving his explosiveness and quickness too. I think, that, that he could have a really good season for Iowa. Yeah, if if Iowa's offensive line is good, uh, especially in the run blocking, uh, yeah, he could really, really have a good year. I mean, uh, there were some clips shared on Sean Green recently, um, and you know he could be a type of back like that um, if he has good blocking, which Sean Green did in 2008 and won the Doak Walker Award. So uh, I'm going to say a uh, reason to be bullish is because of the schedule. Uh, the schedule, you, you lose Ohio State and Michigan – off the off the grid. Now I'm not saying this is an easy schedule by any means, but I just kind of like how it plays out, Tyler. You get uh, an opener against Utah State, which I mean, let's face it, they're Iowa's a twenty and a half point favorite. I think it's actually up to t- like twenty three now, maybe something like that. Uh, you feel good about starting one and zero. You know, Iowa State. That team is probably going to be breaking in a new quarterback. I mean, I can't imagine Hunter Deckers is going to be uh, returning. Uh, this season for the Cyclones, given what is on the table for for his game like situation, and then you get uh, Western Michigan, so you know, really good chance to start three and zero. I'm not saying that the game in Ames is a cupcake. I mean, it's going to be a, a close spread, but uh, then you get the Penn State game. Then you come home, face Michigan State, come home again, face Purdue. I mean, I'm not saying those are none of these are easy, easy games, but. The possibility really exists for Iowa to be five and one um, at the worst. No, not at the worst. Could be five and one halfway point of the season. Is what I'm saying, even if they're not playing great. And then that big game at Wisconsin. So they've you kind of get two home games to lead up to that huge Wisconsin game, and then you get Minnesota. Then the bye week. I just feel like uh, that bye week's going to come at a perfect time. Maybe ideally it comes one week sooner, so you get the bye then Minnesota, and then the last half. It's going to be um, interesting because off the bye, you're going to get Northwestern at Wrigley, then Rutgers at home. Um, and so that gears you up. And Iowa's best teams usually play their best football at the end of the season. You know, the, the must-win games, if they're going to win a conference title out of all that, certainly Wisconsin earlier in the season, but you got to finish against Illinois at home at Nebraska. I just kind of like how the, I guess, the the rhythm of the schedule plays out and the, the quality of opponent for for the Hawkeyes this year. So I could see this team exceeding nine wins for sure uh, if everything comes together. So uh, I like the schedule, and I like uh, how Iowa's built for it. What's next on your list? Um, I have, and we've talked a little bit about just the, the holes that Iowa has to fill on defense, but I think what they're bringing back, I think the D-line and Cooper DeGene kind of combining those two aspects of the defense, I think is what's going to, probably make it really strong if it is really strong again because just on the d-line alone lots of experience lots lots of talent you have logan lee joe evans deontay craig aaron graves ya black and that's that's without 
really knowing uh, the status of Noah Shannon. So you could you could possibly throw him in there as well. Uh, but I think they could be really disruptive of, up front in the run game uh, and, and disrupting quarterbacks. I think, and then and then Cooper DeGene was basically a one man uh, wrecking crew last season with three pick sixes, and um, you know I, I think that he's he has the potential to be one of the best defensive players in college football this season. And in, in the Cleveland.com preseason poll, he was. Uh, voted as the preseason Big Ten Player of the Year, so there's there's high expectations for him, and obviously it's one of those things where you hope he can stay healthy the entire season, but like at the same time, he's probably going to be one of the best uh, defensive players in college football and uh, and in possibly the country, and he also disrupts disrupts he can disrupt things on a higher level of where okay if they, if if a team playing Iowa doesn't want to throw to his side that almost takes away a, a chunk of the field because, you know, even if they're not throwing to his side, you know, okay, they're not, you know, he, the, he basically has kind of a ripple effect mm-hmm. of impact, even if it isn't him specifically making plays. So just having someone like him at, on the field, I think uh, will make a big impact. So I think the, that, that uh, group of the D line and, and Cooper to Gene, I'm, I think that's a, a real reason to be optimistic. Great point. I'm glad you talked a little bit more about the defense. Uh, the defense should be really good. Should be. Stress that. Uh, Got to stay healthy. And yeah, Cooper DeGene, uh, he'll be returning punts this year uh, unless something's changed. That's a huge weapon for the Hawkeyes as well. He's, he's really fun to watch with the football in his hands. All right, still more to come here on Hawk Central. Basketball talk. The Iowa women and men are playing ball in Europe. Early results and thoughts coming up next on 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register. Myself and Tyler Tashman taking you to 7 o'clock and the finish line tonight. We're going to finish with some hoops talk in these final 10 minutes. The Iowa men and women are both on their foreign trips over in Europe. Uh, the women rolled the other day and play again Friday in Croatia. Very little can be taken from the actual game results. I mean, you look at some of the stats from the women's opener. They out-rebounded uh, their opponent uh, from Italy 38-9 to on defensive boards. So uh, that, uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, and their team won by 70 points, 116-46. to couple little tidbits from that game of course Caitlin Clark uh, you know had a, had a fine line but a few things to watch remember when I did that interview with Lisa Bluter and Jan Jensen uh, Lisa said watch out for Sydney Folter uh, she had a tremendous line 15 points and 13 rebounds in that game uh, the post you know what's gonna what's Iowa gonna do at center Eddie O'Grady eight for eight from the floor 16 points and then uh, Jan Jensen talked about you know Taylor McCabe. Look out for her as a outside sniper. She was uh, hitting from three, hit four three pointers uh, in that game. Uh, keep uh, in touch with uh, HawkCentral.com as we continue to write recaps from these games. Dargan Southern writing up the women, and Tyler Tashman, my uh, colleague here on the air, writing up the men's beat uh, over there. Tyler, the Hawkeyes win. Tuesday, 123-77 to over the Paris All-Stars. So the best Paris has to offer, Iowa, be- <laughs> Iowa beats by 46 points. No, just kidding. And these are always kind of like the exhibitions, and you know they're going to win. But uh, 
Some pretty interesting stat lines there, Tyler. I'll let you take it. Uh, you wrote a nice thoughts piece. I encourage people to check it out at hawkcentral.com. What stood out to you from game one overseas for the Hawkeyes? Yeah, I was about to say, I don't think uh, Victor Wembanyama was playing for the Paris All-Stars, <laughs> so they they didn't have to worry about him. But, um, no, I, you know, I think at, at this point of the year, and I think even when you get into early non-conference schedule and exhibitions and all that, it's, it's important to take things with a grain of salt, and especially in games like this where you don't really know exactly the level of competition and it's still August, but these were just some kind of things that, that stood out, uh, Peyton Stanford. And uh, Ben Cricky, 22 points each, each leading the way. And I think uh, both of those are, you know, stand out. But Ben Cricky, you know, the transfer from Valpo, who was uh, the Missouri Valley Conference uh, leading scorer last season. And, and because of what I was losing in that front court, because not only were Chris Murray and Philip Robracha their two best front court players, but they were, they were also basically their most productive players when it came to scoring and rebounding on the entire team. So that's, that's a lot of, that's one of the really big question marks for me, at least heading into the season. So I think that Ben Cricky put that up, you know, is, can he be that guy down low? I think, uh, you know, 22 uh, is a good start. Uh, I will go 40% from three. And, and that was something that for a program that has had a history of being an elite three point shooting team last season was underwhelming, but they go 40% from three, Peyton Sanford was four for eight, which I think is really encouraging. And then his younger brother, Price Sanford, went uh, three for eight as well. And then uh, I also wanted to mention Owen Freeman, the freshman uh, big man, when you kind of talk about who's going to emerge in the front court, you know, Owen Freeman goes 10 points, 15 boards, which I thought for basically the, the first game action as a freshman, you know, he hasn't even been a part of the team for more than, you know, a handful of weeks, that that was pretty impressive um, in terms of getting stuff done on the boards. Uh, another one, Brock Harding, another freshman went six assists, zero turnover. So uh, there was a, I mean, I could probably go on for the next 30 minutes about every single little detail, but those were some of the kind of little things that, that stood out immediately. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much we can take away. Like you said, I mean, these games aren't streamed or anything, but yeah, I feel like Iowa did a good job kind of re or sending out some interviews with McCaffrey. Uh, you know, he, he wanted to see better ball control, a lot of turnovers um, in that game. But like you said, 16 for 40 from deep. Uh, Perkins had 19. I can't remember if you mentioned that. But, uh, you know, Peyton Sanford, I, I feel like I think he's going to be the leading scorer on this team next year. Uh, but Cricky showed that he can he can light it up too. And that'll be a nice, you know, inside-outside combo, I think, for Iowa this year. We'll see how it translates to the Big Ten. Um, but all all pretty, you know, just a little bit of an encouraging start. I think there's a lot to be excited about with these pieces. And we should point out, Tyler, that, you know, three, you know, players six foot nine or taller are are not on this trip. Uh, Patrick McCaffrey won't play on the tour as he is uh, competing in the, the Portland uh, Nike Skills Camp. Uh, and he will join the team, but I don't think he's going to play any games. Uh, Laje Dembele uh, did not play in the first game. He has is having some visa issues, hoping to play in the final two games in Spain on this trip. And Riley Mulvey also not on the trip because of a family wedding. It just seems like Riley is tumbling back in the rotation either way. Uh, oh, and I mean, 
just the Owen Freeman line you quoted. I mean, he had nine offensive boards. Again, we're not going to take too much from this, but we've heard that he's probably the best freshman of the four so far, at least the one most ready to make uh, an immediate impact. So, I, I mean, I'm seeing, you know, between Cricky, Bronze, uh, who was fine in the you know stat line was fine. I think he was three or four from the floor. That's about what you're going to expect from him this year. Kind of get those, you know, uh, tough baskets inside, putbacks, whatnot. Play good defense. Iowa needs good defense out of the post. And if Owen Freeman's good, I think you live with that. You know, at the four or five positions, and you know maybe a sprinkle in some some Dem uh, Lodgy and maybe some Mulvey. But I think those three guys in the front court sound good to me. And then you got Patrick, you got Peyton, you got Price uh, shooting from the wings. And then uh, the point guard thing, I saw DeSante Bowen started, I think, the game. So that'll be kind of sorted out on this trip as well. Uh, what else, Tyler? Anything else? I know they play again on Friday. No, I just think that this team has some really interesting pieces, and maybe there isn't a guy like the last few seasons where there's been a star, right? Like you have Luca Garza, you have Keegan Murray, you got Chris Murray. Maybe this team doesn't have that guy. Maybe someone does emerge. Maybe Pat. Maybe it's Patrick McCaffrey. But I think that this team, and I'll probably continue to say this leading up to the season, that there's, if things come together, it feels like there's a lot of different interesting pieces that can kind of do a variety of things. I, I think DeSante Bowen and Josh Dix, and I wrote a little bit about them, is that if they can make the jump to the next level, you know, or make the jump, taking their game to the next level, they're both sophomores, that uh, I like them a lot just because of how well they fit into Iowa's system. DeSante Bone is like a really quick twitch guard that can do, uh, you know, thrives in the open floor. Josh Dix shot 40% from three as a freshman. Uh, if those two guys can elevate their game and, and, and play, you know, more consistently, and I just think that, I and I think you can talk about and then Price Stanford he goes three for eight from I think there's a lot of different guys that have the potential to be contributors I think you you look at that core of Patrick McCaffrey, Cricky, uh, Tony Perkins and uh, Peyton Stanford and then you look around and like who's going to step up I think there's a lot of guys that can I think there's a lot of a lot of them are unproven as well so um, I, I think the team has a lot of potential I, I think that going on this trip is going to be very beneficial just in terms of kind of getting that chemistry down. But um, I'm interested to see kind of how, how it all comes together. Cause I think that, and I mentioned, I don't want to like, I don't mean for this to be a hot take, but I think they can be like a, a potentially a dark horse, like not to win the big 10, but like, like being a, being a contender or at least a competitor towards the top half of the big 10. Well, that's the, you know, last year, Everyone said, oh, I was not going to be any good again. And then there, there they were pretty much in the NCAA tournament conversation all year. They made it as an eighth seed early. You know, I th- was it Jeff Goodman? I can't remember who it was. It was maybe it was Andy Katz. It was one of those guys, one of those national guys, picked Iowa 13th out of 14 in the early uh, Big Ten projection. It was very early. But I know some Hawkeye players noticed that. And uh, I don't think they're going to finish 13th. I'm not going to say they're going to finish second. But I, I think this team has enough exciting parts. Fran McCaffrey, enough of a proven track record. But there's a lot to be excited about. And it's fun to fun going to be fun to follow this team. Just to, like you said, kind of a unique season ahead, Tyler. Um, anyway, I will see you, my friend, uh, Friday at Media Day. And then uh, Kids Day, I think you're going to be sitting in the stands. I'm going to be in the press box. 
And I do want to tell folks we will have a podcast uh, on Hawk Central on YouTube uh, sometime. Maybe it's not on YouTube, but it'll be an audio podcast or something. We'll do something Saturday night after Kids Day to kind of recap Media Day and Kids Day, a big weekend of coverage of Iowa football ahead. I hope you're ready, my friend. I'm ready. Let's uh, let's get the hot dog gun and get ready to go. <laughs> well, let's hope you have. Uh, let's hope Cade McNamara has better accuracy than you with the hot dog gun. Oh yeah, that'd be well, a good sign. I don't, I don't think that'll take too much, but you never know. So. <laughs> well, we appreciate uh, we appreciate you, Tyler, uh, holding down the fort in Iowa City. We appreciate you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, like I said, stay tuned for our live coverage at hawkcentral.com all weekend. We've got four or five of us, I guess, going to, to Iowa Media Day to write. So uh, wall-to-wall coverage. It's uh, The season is coming. Three weeks from Saturday, we will be in the press box at Kinnick Stadium September 2nd against Utah State. Uh, until then, uh, we will circle back next Wednesday night for another edition of Hawk Central right here on 106.3 KXNO. Good night, everyone.